Welcome to The Frontline with FPM, where we talk about California politics, homeschool freedom, parental rights, and the family. I'm your host, Nathan Pierce, and thanks for joining us today. Let's jump right in and see what's going on here on The Frontline. Hey, everybody. We are here to talk about uh, some legislation today. And... Um, Drew's here. We are going to be talking about um, one particular bill and um, sort of the history behind that and kind of where we stand on it now. Um, and I'm excited, and we're both excited, yeah. to be talking about this bill because we have sort of a, a victory to report on it. Yeah, so, and, it, and it's something that impacts all of us too. So let's go ahead and talk first about what is this bill and what's it about. So this bill was uh, AB 249, um, and it would basically require uh, lead testing, testing for lead in, in the water system um, of public and private schools. Um, so the bill was um, well-intentioned. Obviously, you know, lead in the drinking water is dangerous for anybody, mm -hmm. um, but uh, the bill was written um, without any regard for homeschools. So homeschools fall under the private school umbrella, and so they would have been included. So this would have put expensive requirements um, on individual families to have their entire home water system tested and then possibly replace it at their own cost um, based on a mandate from the state because they fall under the private school definition. Um, so you said you said it was well intentioned. There yeah. has been issues with um, pu specifically public schools yeah. having issues with their water systems being really old and yeah. the water coming out of them, out of drinking fountains, whatever, being contaminated and dangerous water to drink for kids. Yeah. So it's 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 not that we don't care about kids. It's that this yeah. this was driven by a need to address a problem in public schools. Yeah, and. And really, there is a problem with public schools. Yeah. I mean, there's 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 a lot of really old buildings. There's a lot of buildings that need to be updated. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And that is, you know, if it's the government's buildings, and they're bringing kids in, it's yeah. kind of their responsibility to make them safe for kids. Yeah. But this bill originally, like you said, it also brought in private schools. Yeah. Which this is a private thing. Private schools are private buildings, mm -hmm. and. They would have had to borne the cost of any of anything like that as well, um, right. along and with based on the state standard of yeah. cleanliness of water and very you know very extensive inspections and you know mandated government intervention basically, uh, and so um, so the office that this bill was coming from the assemblyman that that introduced it. Um, we have actually been able to establish a really great working relationship with his office over the last year or so, um, especially. Uh, he um, he's introduced a number of bills that I think we, we both agree have good intentions, but they very often end up pulling in, you know, unintentionally pulling in a lot of other groups that, that aren't necessarily the target of the bill, but they would be very severely and adversely affected by, by the bill itself. So, And that's, and that's kind of a, a big part of what we do. Yeah. A lot of times the bills that we address and that would impact homeschool families are not initially driven by a desire to go after homeschool yeah. families or 
even an intention to ha have any impact on homeschool families at all. It's sort of an unintended consequence. Yeah. And, and this would be an example of that. Exactly. Yeah, a lot of there there are obviously legislators that are very much not fans of private schools at all or homeschools at all and would rather that everybody every student go to a public school. Um, but then there's, uh, I think, many others that, that just don't know how the law works be, because in California it's, it's a very... Uh, it's it's not a very intuitive the law is not very intuitive in, in how how all of the private schooling works it's all under one category and there's many different types of schooling that fall under that one label of private school right and and typically you don't have uh in each legislator's office somebody who's an expert on the ed code yeah and so um, it, it's massive, as we've we've talked about this before. Yeah. The Ed Code is massive, and there's a lot to know in it. And so, when it comes to various aspects of it, it's it's nigh on to impossible to <laughs> to understand all of all the aspects that need to be understood in order to know who's going to be impacted by a particular exactly. bill. So exactly. Yeah, so um, our first uh, major interaction in the last year or so uh, with this uh, Assemblyman's office began with a bill uh, that would address children's camps. Um, it was called, uh, it was numbered AB 1737. Uh, it was introduced uh, in early 2022, and it would have um, broadly defined children's camp as really almost any gathering where children are present and not under their parents' care. So it would have, you know, included, say, campouts. It would have also included anything down to even like a two-day church event or like a VBS or something like that. Or vacation park, Bible park school, day or even. park day. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and it would basically it, it would require very extensive um, training, reporting, and uh, monitoring for anybody involved in the um, in the program itself or in the administration of the program. Um, and the goal, obviously, was to prevent people that have ill intentions with, with kids or with the program at, at all from basically getting access to, to the kids' programs, right? Um, but with this broad definition, it would have pulled really any small gathering, um, even any, you know, a, a local neighborhood co-op of, of families gathering, um, and would have made them financially and uh, logistically impossible to do legally. Um, and we weren't the only ones that, that yeah, felt that. There yeah. were other groups, including the California the Cal Library Association. Yeah, the libraries. Most libraries wouldn't have been able to operate at all with the cost that would come with this bill. Um, at least operate events for their, for their right. you know, um, story time days, things like that. After school programs, yeah, things exactly. like that. Yeah. So um, we worked with, uh, with this assemblyman's office on it all throughout early uh, 2022. And um, we pointed out a number of problems. We had numerous. We wrote up... <laughs> at least I, I think close to a dozen different opposition points of reasons why this is a problem um, you know testified in hearings and uh, by the by the time the deadline for bills to pass was approaching in August of 2022 the author had decided all right this is not going to work this year I want to try and make this work but clearly the definition that I have and what we're trying to accomplish here is not possible in the time we have left and I want to try and make it work and get some of these opposition groups to support it with a better bill next time. And that was that was even with a couple of amendments yes. that they had put through that year. Yeah, throughout the those last few months, there had been a number of amendments that it, it was better, but it was still 
a huge burden and still would have made a lot of those smaller events yeah. impossible financially. So, um, but throughout that time, we were able to build a rapport and have, you know, connections and conversations within that office. And um, when uh, the next session started in December of 2022, we're now in uh, third, fourth month of the session. Um, all the bills have been introduced. This, uh, this assemblyman, his office introduced the next version of that bill, and that was uh, AB 262. And uh, right away, we were able to, because of our work last session, we were able to get it on the ground floor and explain our concerns again. This bill is better. There's still definitely problems with it, but because of the connections that we had last year, we were able to have our voice heard right away, and they started by asking for our involvement in it right because yeah. of the positive relationship we developed with them they they said hey we want your input uh this is important to us and we want to try and make this work so um that bill we're still working on uh we appreciate uh support and, and prayer for that yeah. um but uh then that relationship you know had had been established and it helped us this session um and then that brings us to AB 249 that right. was yeah and and I think I think the main purpose for for going through this history is to really help emphasize the importance and the value of building relationships with people yeah um and over time those relationships um are important so that when you have an issue with a piece of legislation like we have with this current bill the lead testing bill uh there's there's a major um uh benefit in having all of that behind us already we yeah. already have a relationship yeah. um with with a legislator's office and even with a specific person in that office that we've already yeah. worked with that happens to be handling this same bill yeah um this this next bill that we're yeah. working on and so um right at the beginning like you said jumping in on the ground floor mm -hmm. with this this next project that we're doing um recognizing the need to get involved in the lead testing bill and touching base with their office they were they were very inviting yes um, right away so yeah. that that's really important to yeah. to understand that the, there's value in the 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 history there yeah of working with this legislator's office yeah and and very few of the meetings and the conversations that we had were directly with the assembly member they because very often it, it's just a staff member that is handling the bill the assembly member is responsible for ulti the ultimate decisions, but a lot of the small amendments, a lot of the changes, a lot of the nitty-gritty day-to-day details are handled by specific staff members that are tasked with bills on certain topics. So um, having that connection, even with a staff member, um, even if it, it feels like, oh, I wasn't able to meet with the assembly member, this seems like kind of a bust. Mm -hmm. But having having connections in any office is really yeah. important. It makes all the difference. Yeah. Um, so, so with this next bill, what was it that, I think there were several issues with this bill that caused us to say, hey, this is a problem. Yeah. What, what are some of those? Um, so like, like I said before, it's, it would pull in private schools um, to the lead testing requirement. This is AB 249. And um, it would have really broadly redefined what what a school is under the school site definition and it would have pulled private homes into that definition unintentionally so when when they're talking about testing lead mm. in the water pipes the bill is talking about sending somebody 
to go do that. Yes. It's not saying, hey, families, you've got to test your water. It's saying, yeah. we are going to show up at your front door. Yeah. We're sending a, an agent of the government to yeah. your front door to show up and say, hey, I'm here to test your water to make yeah. sure it's safe for your children. And if it's not safe, we're going to require a bunch of work to be done yeah. in your house based on what we perceive to be safe yeah and bring it up to our standards and say we're gonna do all of this you don't get to say no yeah and here's and costs you can't you can't say no to yeah, yeah. and here's some costs yeah. that are can yeah to, to cover the cost yeah. of it you've gotta you've gotta dig into yeah. your wallet so uh throughout these these last few months starting in early january when they were when both of these bills were introduced ab 262 which was another children's camp bill like the one we worked on last year and ab 249 which is the one we've worked on with lead testing we worked with uh with this assemblyman's office throughout the last uh, couple of months had many meetings with them and uh proposed a number of amendments to both bills um and uh we were actually able to get our ideal amendment in this last week. Uh, they amended it and private schools, uh, so that would include private homeschools, are completely exempt now. So this lead testing requirement, um, it will apply to public schools. Like you said, there's a lot of older buildings in the public school system that, that do have problems with water safety. Um, and so uh, just having that relationship established we were, we were able to solve a problem relatively quickly in terms of the entire legislative session, is two years, and this was within three months. And uh, having, having this bill uh, solved almost entirely because of the connections that we had made through previous work, um, it's, it's been a huge huge boost to our morale with, with yeah. how many how many bills we have to deal with and also yeah. a huge uh, encouragement to us just seeing uh, how how much those relationships can make a difference for our work and then just for individual families that would have been affected by that bill yeah so. yeah so I'm I'm really glad for the way that this was resolved behind yeah. the scenes without making anybody look bad yeah and I'm also glad that it was resolved period because yeah. i mean if you picture yourself being uh the homeschool mom or homeschool dad mm -hmm. at home with your kids in the middle of a math lesson or whatever and somebody shows up at your front door saying hey i'm here to test your water and let yeah. you know whether or not you're going to be able to you know continue living here because yeah. you may not have the money to fix your pipes yeah um that that's kind of a scary idea for me yeah. to to fathom so i'm really glad that um, they were open and willing to work with us on this yeah, and was, to take our amendment to, great. to to change that so we're not impacted. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's all around um, a real positive report, and yeah. I'm really thankful for that. Yeah, so, and it's it's not just us that, that makes these connections. You know, there's 120 legislators and um, hundreds more staff members, and uh, it really only takes one connection to to make a difference we have we have you know through our advocacy from home program we've got we've got families homeschool parents and and their kids and uh, going around the state to their representatives in their local office uh, their district office or going to the capitol and making these connections and they really do make 
all the difference in the world. So when we're talking about building these relationships, these connections, yeah. Um, yeah, you mentioned 120 offices. That's a lot of offices. Yeah. Um, even if we could do uh, building a connection or trying to build a connection or mm-hmm. at least visiting each one of those offices ourselves, yeah. even if we did reach out to every single member's office, um, which, you know, we provide information to all of them yeah. on a regular basis, yeah. but... If you had meetings with every single person, would it would that be the same as, say, getting people from the districts, a family from your district? Yeah, even. yeah. It 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 can't even make half the impact that having a family come in and, and speak speak their mind, speak concerns, speak lovingly, you know, and and actually have a, have a connection, have a relationship with with that legislator. And um, why why is that? I mean, man. Well, we're you know legislative people mm-hmm. i think uh everybody in a, in the legislature often expects a problem when we walk in the door you know yeah and um so having a family and having friendly faces and um it i mean it, it provides them with a more accurate and a more positive view of the homeschooling community and it also just gives them a break from a lot of the confrontation and anger that they face on a daily basis that really does wear you down. Not that we're troublemakers. No. no. Um, and show up causing trouble places, no. but we show up when it, there is problems. Very yeah. Often. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. um, so it, it makes a huge difference yeah. when you can show up as a family in a district, um, office yeah. and, and be that friendly face, um, that, that, that bright spot in their day, of just coming in and saying, hi, we live in your district, we're a homeschool family, mm-hmm. here's some homeschool information, and um, we're glad you're here, kind of yeah. a thing, as opposed to, hey, we have this problem. Yeah. Um, now we're going to argue that, with you about that, it. <laughs> that may, yeah, that yeah. may that may come later eventually, Yeah. Um, but hopefully there's a positive relationship started there first, yeah. before you get to that point. Definitely. Um, and this is a really good example of having a, a connection in an office that you can, we've already established that we can mm-hmm. work on stuff together in a positive yeah. a way and come up with solutions. And we yeah. work really hard to come up with solutions that help them work on their problem. Mm-hmm. Um, try Because they're dealing, legislation comes out of a, a need for a solution mm-hmm. uh, or perceived need for a solution. So if we can help them figure out a way to address the problem that they're seeing, that's what we want to do. Yeah. And so we work hard to do that. And starting a, a relationship in the district office with a homeschool family that cares about their um, what they're doing and their educational uh, perspective and choices, I think it's 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 a it's a whole nother level of starting yeah. at a good spot yeah. with that legislator. It's Definitely. Just, it's it's a whole nother level, something that we can't even we can't even get to that point. So in our positions. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, yeah, before a conflict starts, that's the best time to establish a relationship. So we need, we need to do things together. We can work, get a a lot more accomplished if we work together Yeah, and um, we need your help. And, um, so you can, you can learn more about that on our website. Um, and also, um, like you said, the, the advocacy from home program. Yeah. Um, and, um, we'd love to have you, uh, help us with that yeah it's uh the website is is fpmca.org 
um, and you can select advocacy from home in our getting involved section um, or you can do fpmca.org slash AFH and uh, yeah yeah and then we've got special uh, additions to these next few episodes of our podcast right right yes we're gonna be um, sharing with you some some principles of praying for your leaders and how to care for them um, it is uh, something that we're called to do in scripture to to pray for our leaders and mm-hmm. they need prayer um, if you've ever been in a leadership position you know what I'm talking about yeah. and um, our legislators um, no matter what their political views are they ask for prayer and so I would encourage you to um, to, to not miss out on on these encouraging words from uh, so from Frank Frank yeah. Erb is a missionary to the capital here in Sacramento and he uh, prays with legislators uh, every day yeah. and so he is very acquainted with the, the prayer needs of these legislators so I would encourage you to to be blessed by uh, what he has to say about praying for our leaders and um, you'll be you'll be encouraged yeah he has he has many wise words to share and every time I hear him speak about what the legislators are like it it, it gives me a completely uh, new perspective on the work they do the people they are and it's a really great reminder so um, I hope you guys enjoy seeing those it'll be a different way to pray for your legislator every week uh, for the next uh, well there's there's a number of ways (laughs) yeah Yeah. there's a number of ways so um, that'll be uh, added on um, for each for each episode over the next next couple of weeks. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Let's go ahead and, and look at um, prayer. Why why do we pray? Can we um, jump right in? Absolutely. Well. Uh, this is a privilege that we as God's people have, don't we? You know, nobody else in the country or in the world is going to be doing what we can do as God's people. And that is to pray and share about him with people uh, through Jesus Christ. And so we have a great opportunity, but also God's word shows us that it's actually a command from God. It's not just something that we could do. Um, but it's also something we really must do. And I wonder how many things might happen in our state and in our country that we would just rejoice in and be breakthroughs from the Lord if we prayed more. First Timothy chapter 2 in the Bible, verses 1 through 4, give us this clear command. Should I go ahead and read that, Nathan? Absolutely, yes. So First Timothy 2, 1 through 4. The Apostle Paul, writing through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, says this, First of all, then, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So that's such a clear statement there. He says, first of all, so this is very important. He says, I'm urging something. How often does the Bible say that? I urge this. And what are we urged to do? That is 
entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings. So different kinds of prayer before God on behalf of all men. So all people, we want to be praying people. But then he specifies one group in particular. And you think about all the groups that God might have brought up. You know, you can imagine that God might have said, you know, uh, pray for this particular nation. Or he might, Jesus reached out to a lot of fishermen. So he might have said, pray for those fishermen. They really need the Lord or, or pray for, you know, this or that. But he specified this one group, kings and all who are in authority which is government. He's saying pray for government leaders so that we may lead a tranquil, quiet life in all godliness and dignity. So we're urged, commanded to pray for government. Yeah, and, and it's so critical to remember this. This is, this is directly from the Bible. We have to remember, you know, this is a, a command. It's not, yeah. it's not saying that some people are called to do this. It's talking to everybody, right? Right, right, that, that's correct. And, and we could see there in the passage that if we do, it'll please God. And then he says that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. The idea being that if we have government leaders who we're praying for, God can change their hearts and it will make our lives better as well. Yes. So it pleases the Lord It'll make our society better. Uh, and so we're told that we really need to do this. Yeah. And I think, um, I think it's uh, interesting. Sometimes I get the question about when I, when I tell people about uh, certain issues, you know, that if they have an opinion on something, they should talk to their legislator about it or write a letter or something like that. And they either, they might be concerned about being afraid of um, what the legislator might think of them, mm. or they might think that it won't make any difference because, you know, they don't, they've never agreed with that legislator or leader on any issue ever or something like that. Um, but that's not, that's not in here in First Timothy as a qualification for whether or not to pray for somebody. It doesn't say pray for those that are on your side or something like that. That's right. Yeah, that's absolutely right. All through the Bible, we see God sending people to government leaders. Think about the Old Testament and how the prophets were going to government leaders, right? Joseph to Potiphar and Pharaoh and Moses to Pharaoh and Isaiah and Jeremiah to the kings of Judah and Daniel to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon and so on. And so some of those government leaders were, were trying to follow the Lord, but some of them not at all, <laughs> yeah. right? And God still sent people to them and still had people speak to them about him and pray to them for them. Jesus stood before all the senior government leaders of his area before he went to the cross as a testimony to them. And then when he commissioned the apostles, he says, you're going to even stand before government and kings for my sake. That's uh, Matthew 10, 18. I stand before governors and kings as, for my sake as a testimony to them. And throughout the book of Acts, we see them appearing before government leaders. And Paul and his missionary journeys went to capital cities and interacted with many. And so, um, and so we're called to represent the Lord to them. And a big part of that is praying for them. 
And then we can know we've done our part. If we're praying for them and doing our part to represent the Lord well to them, then it's the Lord's work in their heart. They may or may not respond, but uh, we have this, really it's a ministry to them. Yeah. It, it will benefit us, but it's a ministry to them. And you know, maybe as you're thinking about that, you're maybe thinking also about how evil some of the government leaders were in the first century. When Paul wrote 1 Timothy 2, pray for kings and those in authority, the emperor of Rome who ruled so much of the world was an incredibly evil person. Mm -hmm. Every way we would measure it, immoral and evil. And yet Paul and then also Peter and others tell us we should be praying for kings, for emperors. So they're thinking about Nero and others like him who were super evil and who did not change. And yet they're still saying we have a ministry to pray for them. That's right. Yeah. Timothy wasn't um, without uh, people that were, were challenging to, to pray for yeah. or to minister to or to have a heart for. Um, yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it's not easy. I mean, I know that feeling. I have to just say, oh, Lord, give me your heart. Yeah. Um, and uh, and there, are d there are different ways to pray. Sometimes we need to pray for God to get someone's attention. Right. But yeah. But, but still, we, we have a role to intercede. One of the things we know from God's word is that there's a spiritual battle going on around us. And so these government leaders have very important positions, but there are also uh, spiritual forces pulling on them that, that we can't see, that they can't see, but actually, but at least we know about it. Right. Because God's word telling us about this. And so... Uh, uh, we know that they're actually kind of puppets sometimes that, that the enemy is using. And so we're praying against, the Bible says, against these spiritual forces. That right. are Thank you so much for your time, Frank. Thank you, Nathan. My pleasure. I appreciate it. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll see you next time. Yeah. See ya. Thanks for joining us for this episode of The Frontline with FPM. For more information about the topics we discuss here, Check out Family Protection Ministries at fpmca.org and subscribe to our channel.